you know, and I feel every path along our journey is perhaps necessary for our final destination. Pollux.com, in partnership with Heart Support and the Global Recovery Initiatives Foundation, is proud to present High Notes, a podcast about addiction and recovery in the music business. I'm your host, James Shotwell. My guest this episode is Shannon Larkin. Shannon is a legendary rock musician who's probably best known as the drummer for the band Godsmack, but who also serves as one half of the Apocalypse Blues revival and played drums on Glassjaw's Worship and Tribute. That last one isn't important to today's episode, but it is a fun rock fact. Shannon has been in the music business for decades, but it wasn't until the mid-2010s that he finally made the decision to get sober. As you'll learn, it was a culmination of life circumstances and one wild night in the studio that almost became a disastrous event that led Shannon to changing his life. And in the years since, he's kind of become a different person. He rocks harder than ever, but he has a different outlook on life, and he shares that with us today. Before we get there, I asked Shannon the same question I ask all of our guests when we first connect. How long have you been sober? Oh my gosh, it's been over four years. I don't have the exact day, but I do have the app on my phone that shows you the hour, down to the hours you've been sober. And I'm well over four years and three months or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I can talk all day about it. I'm still on the pink cloud, man. It, it never left. It's just been, I went into Recovery Unplugged in Southeast Florida over in uh, Fort Lauderdale. And it's run where, I don't know, Tactic runs the place, but Rich is, uh, he was in Aerosmith for a minute. And he wrote and got a Grammy for the song Pink with Steven Tyler. And uh, he won the Grammy. He's in Aerosmith. He goes on tour. He falls back on the needle, man, and gets fired from Aerosmith. So he was just, so anyway, this plays Recovery Unplugged. I can't say enough about it because it, it, it really focuses through, through Richie's uh, initial idea and guidance on using music, which isn't a new theory, uh, with addiction. Like I was saying, even when I work on my yard, I'm thinking of music or whatever. You can divert hardships. Like if you've ever uh, shoveled two yards of rock to fill in a flower bed, for instance, that's some brutal ass work, right? I'm thinking of music, Florida sun, and I know I got this two yards of rock to shovel or whatever, and I do that shit myself, you know. But anyway, it, it's just about music diverting you. And so being a musician that's surrounded with drugs and alcohol since the age of 13, you know what I mean? And actually liked it, you know, for the longest time before I, it spiraled me into these problems. I'm 30 years later, you know, in which my life, divorce, everything, you know, life happens. And then that's when you let these evil things like drugs and alcohol get a hold of you. You know, my diversion became, how do I use music as a diversion? Because I'm surrounded and I'm a lifelong musician. So I'm surrounded by drugs and alcohol. And my biggest fear was, you know, how, how am I going to have fun? How am I going to have fun anymore you know, without this, you know? And so it, that's where it gets to the music part as being a diversion. Because what I came to realize that really, for me to have fun, I need music. Whether it's backstage, at the party, as long as there's music on, I could divert my lust for these dark things to the song that's playing. I always control the music in the dressing room, by the way. If not me, then selfie. Sully's in my corner or whatever, but spirituality, by the way, you know, the higher power, I really believe that that's super important. And 
And like Richie always said, it doesn't matter if, if your guitar is your higher power. If, if it's something that you have to feel that's greater than you, you know? And so without trying to be religious, I found spirituality and gods and whatever, you know, it could be, I don't care if it's Jesus, whatever makes you realize that there's something greater than you out there, I think is the key to overcoming these lusts and desires that are tricking you into thinking that you need that to have fun. You know, when I say diversions, then I also have tips on like what I did also just because I think a lot of it with me, my alcoholism was also not only the fear of not having fun, but habit, you know, from so many, many, many years of, of abusing, instead of having a drink or whatever, I would, I got into flavored waters, you know, and I knew we were going to talk about this. So like right now, this is, aha, I'm not trying to sell this company. I don't know anybody there. I'm just saying that this is a black cherry coffee and it's not like super strong, you know, it's hints of, of these flavors. And so anyway, it, at the time that I, over four years ago, when I became sober, that, you know, these things now, there's all these different ones. Oh my gosh, there's uh, blueberry watermelon. They, you know, they got all kind of different. But when I first started, there was just like Polar Springs and, and one other company, Bubbly or whatever, that had these flavored waters, man. And since, since I've been sober in the last four years, oh my gosh, now there's all these different things. But anyway, it's carried on as something now like, at, at a party, you know, I, I'll show up with a 12 pack of, of flavored waters, you know what I mean? And it's become quite easy once I think you get over the fact that being in an altered state of mind is necessary to have fun. And even with drugs and stuff, like when I was in my 20s and I'm in, you know what I mean, doing drugs and stuff, I find that, you know, now in my 50s, I, I can go into these places without the drug but I, I mean you know what i mean like if you've been there and experienced these things you can recreate them in your mind without having to really alter your mind and have the negative consequences because there's lots of positive con uh, aspects for instance of uh marijuana and and drug use i'm not talking about hard drugs obviously but i i i did you know do a lot of uh you know psychedelic drugs we'll say mushrooms and stuff like that you know what i mean ecstasy stuff like that and and the one thing i did you know having spirituality being one of the biggest things that helped me go sober and be happily happily sober happily sober by the way i had a halloween party man and i stocked everything alcohol all kind of bottles of, i went and got the best you know whiskeys and for my friends, man, I got 30 people at my house, you know, my sponsor was there, you know, and that, but everybody else pretty much is drinking, whatever, and partying and stuff. And, and, uh, but I, I got like 15 different kinds of beer and I, you know, I stocked this made a badass party out of it and I had the best time. And not once did I go, God, I wish I could drink, you know, like, I wish I could be. And, and now, like when I see people, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, I used to, I used to be that guy. You know what I mean? I'm just freely talking now about, you know, ways that I've found that I can get over on, on this disease because that's what it is. And, you know, everybody I feel, you know, has to do it in different ways. But I do think at the base of it, it all comes down to the higher power thing and being able to know that you can have fun without altering your mind that way. Shannon was decades into a successful career and already in his 40s when he made the decision to get clean. I wanted to know what changed. 
What was happening in the days, weeks, or months leading up to his decision to get sober that finally pushed him in that direction? We had the blues thing going on, Tony and I, and Godsmack was on a big break. And we just toured hard for a year or whatever, and I wasn't home, and, 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 and my, my marriage was, was, was not good for you know, a couple years. Personal things, you know, in, in relationship, in my personal life, you know what I mean, that I don't talk about. But I'll just say that I'm no longer married. And so I went through that. And to deal with that, I for sure started morning drinking. And, and I was, you know, two years of basically hiding my drinking, which I'd never done. And see, you know, as a rocker or rock star or musician, successful musician, or however you want to put it, we are enabled completely. If I want cocaine, which I haven't done since 1982 or something. But if I want that, I can make, I could ask somebody and I'd have it in my hand like tomorrow or in an hour, any drugs or alcohol, you know, we're enabled to, to the point where it's on our rider that we get free alcohol every night, way too much for even any humans to drink, you know, it's just part of the gig, right? My, from being in that enabled position, I'd never had to hide it. Well, when my issues, personal issues started happening, now I, I found myself hiding because I would start, I had, I had started drinking earlier to kind of, for escapism, <laughs> you know, get away from all these and just go into music and I would go and, and it started at, at the rehearsal place Tony and I had and I would go there and we would show up at 11, you know, in the afternoon and I would open the Jack bottle, man, and we, I would have it in my coffee and start and, and not be wasted or drunk or, or, you know, I'd like drink a whiskey and coffee and then like at 11 and then like at one, you know, then we'd do a shot when we got done a song, you know, oh, we made this new song and we'd do shots <laughs> and then, you know, by four o'clock, you know, now we're driving, getting on our Harleys and driving home from practice with like four or five shots in us, so, but spread over four or five hours. And so it's not like you're, you know, and I'm hiding it from my wife and kid. And, 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 and then on days off, I found myself just, you know, putting whiskey in my coffee and starting to keep the, setting the tone for the day, you know, like, oh, you know, you know, it's, it's a false sense of happiness and security that alcohol gave me. And so you know, I got worse and worse into where I was basically, you know, a fifth of day guy, you know what I mean? And then people started noticing, uh, you know, one night I, we were at the rehearsal place and Tony left and there was a band next door that had the rehearsal place next door. And, and I, I was probably, you know, three quarters of the fifth in. So I go over and I invite everybody over for a blues jam, which I've done many times, you know, and we always had a great time, but it was one of those days that I did the one drink too many thing and I, I suffered, you know, probably four to five blackouts a year in which, I mean, I, I quit the band Godsmack as many times as I was fired because I would do horrible things. And I don't know, I'm in, uh, God, uh, Bulgaria, for instance, and I stripped my clothes off and, and, and ran into the woods saying I'm, I'm going home, I quit the band, whatever, shit like that, that that's, that's just not me. And I mean, you know, I did therapy and looked and searched and still never found any like reason for this. I had a, a great set of parents and I 
the greatest daughter. All I did, I went through, I wasn't happy anymore with, with my woman that I chose to be the woman for the rest of my life. And I felt all this pressure about my Christian upbringing and divorce and all this crap. And, and you know, and I hadn't, my, I hadn't really uh, located my, what I truly believed in and faith-wise. And it's funny, me, I, I explored for a long, 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 long and long, ever since I was 16 and I started, you know, exploring different options than what the Catholic school I grew up in was, which I found lots of fault with. Not nothing against Christians, Catholics, or, or Judaism, or Muslims. Nothing against anybody. Like I said earlier, you can worship that lampshade. I don't care as long as it's something that's greater than you, and you believe it's good. You know. In the very end, I had this big jam, and something happened, and a blackout happened. Is what happened. And then the monster, the apocalypse came out, and next thing you know, they said that I, you know. And the proof was in the pudding the next day. But I, Keith Moon, my drum set, I just got, I lost it for no reason, they said. And I, oh, I jumped up and crashed my drum set. Everybody get the out of here, you know, and kicked everybody out and did this thing, right? And then so they all were like, oh, later on, they all left. And then around 2, 1, 1.30 in the morning, I guess, because I'm still in a blacked out state, by the way. I don't know. I finished the bottle and got on my Harley. And, uh, and then I, I backed it up, dropped it, thank God, before I could go out on the road and kill a family five or something, right? So dropped the thing on my boot. I have my bike boots on. See, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. They call me lucky behind my back. But uh, thousands of events that I should be dead. But anyway, I'm lucky. I, I dropped the bike. It lands right on the heel of my big-ass biker boot, right? and Luckily, if it would have been another inch, it would have crushed my ankle and I'd have been all messed up. But it didn't. It landed right at that. But now I got a thousand pound or 900 pound motorcycle on my leg. I'm about 100 pounds. That's when now I'm now I'm I'm back. I don't know if you've ever blacked out what your story is, but, you know, you all of a sudden you can come back and you're like, where am I? What happened? And I'm laying with my motorcycle on me and I can't get it off. So now I'm like. I can't call the, the wife, you know. Um, so I call my good buddy, Bill, you know, and, and you know, he's a, he gets up at 7 in the morning. He's a, a normal dude, man. And I had no one else. I called him and said, hey, man, <laughs> you know, I'm laying in this parking lot with my bike on me. I can't get it off. Can you come help me? And he was there in 10 minutes, you know, and uh, lifted the bike off me. He said, get back in your rehearsal room where I was stinking drunk still you know i just come out of my blackout but i was now i'm not violent anymore towards myself and others but I, i'm i'm still wasted you know so he got me back into my place where we had a couch bed thing i'd sleep on and stay stay there if i was too drunk to drive i'd stay there you know so uh but the next morning i woke up it, it wasn't really about me as cliche as it sounds man you know i was like god i could have i could have literally drove that motorcycle and killed a bunch of people like i have drove out in front of somebody and, and next thing you know i'd have that guilt to live with killing somebody or something and so it was enough man james to make me call my manager and say i don't know what what the hell but I, I i can tell you this i'm ready to look in the mirror and say i'm an alcoholic and i'm not 
I, I never wanted to be, you know, a whining rock star in rehab. That was always so dumb to me. And I, you know, and now I understand it. If there's anything to be gained out of it is everything. I think it's safe to say that Shannon had a reputation. Or I should say, Shannon's drinking had a reputation. And when he decided to get clean, I'm sure there were people who were on the fence about whether or not to believe him. So I wanted to know about those initial conversations. Who was the first person he told about getting sober, and what happened after? Did they believe him? Did they get him help? Or did they doubt his ability to do it? I, it's hard to answer that question because I, I, I don't, I was such a state, man. And, you know, and then when I, when I decided to, to, to call my manager, my then manager, you know, he made the call to Music Cares, you know, they found uh, Recovery Unplugged for me in Florida, which was only a few hours away. And then I had to commit, you know, in, in three days to go and take a month and, and go into rehab, which, again, I was no fan and I'd never had any kind of therapy before or anything like that, you know, and I've, I've always been very, you know, happy and very, very strong will you know all of a sudden now i i'm like oh no i'm gonna quit drinking now forever so i have to really drink a lot and so on those three days before i went to rehab oh my god i made, I made it a, like a, a mission to just drink everything i could you know as much as i could and i got you know really wasted and a lot and 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 you know was crying with myself and, and next thing you know i find myself in this nightmare movie where you know i'm i'm literally you know, I want to be sedated Ramon's video wearing a, a white dress and giving drugs given to me. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm just an alcoholic. And they're like, you know, just an alcoholic. You guys are the ones that die. The heroin addict and the cocaine addict, they don't die. They go through hell and torment and torture. But you alcoholics, you're, that's when your shit shuts, shuts down and you die. And so you have to, you know, and so then I, that hit me. Oh, my God. This ain't over. I got to get through this. And, and the whole time, of course, I'm going, you know, I'm going to drink again. It's just, you know, I, I got to get through this and try and yet no one was forcing me in. I'm, I'm doing this to myself. And so I was so confused, man. And uh, thank God I, when I got in, you know, these, these therapists, man, they, they, they just got me. And, and I, you know, next thing you know, I, I'm having these like literal breakthroughs. My, my, my mind started getting sharper uh, almost within two weeks, you know, like I actually started processing, you know, things. And I'm a, I've always been what Stephen King calls a constant reader. You know, I have, you know, I'll have literally three books open a week, as I do right now, you know, usually two nonfiction and a fiction, right? And it's just something that I love to take. And I urge everyone to take a day, I mean, an hour or two, if you can afford an hour out of your day, you know. If not a half an hour, 20 minutes even, read, read. Yeah, we have these things, you know, but uh, whatever you're reading. But anyway, so the constant, the constant reader thing, I just started noticing that I'm retaining information now that I, I didn't seem to retaining, be retaining a few just only a couple weeks ago. And it was noticeable to me, you know, who, 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 I'm certainly, I'm, I'm not some college graduate or something, but I'm no dummy and I'm very, uh, I read a lot. So to, to notice a difference 
the, the beautiful part of this, by the way, is that a year later, there was like another seeming shift in, in my consciousness. And all of a sudden, I, I'm retaining more information now. Like I was, I always tell people, I could always remember a thousand songs. It's just whatever. I'm born that way. It was something. I can listen to a song and I can pretty much remember it and go and record it. But reading, I always have trouble and I don't have a, not, not trouble reading, trouble remembering passages. I'll remember even the gist of it. But some people can just quote a passage out of a book. I'm, I was never that dude. Now I, I'm starting to be that dude. And, and it's just the memories just re retain now better in, in the brain. So I don't know if that's, you know, also I wanted, I brought these over because I wanted to show you this, this cool stuff. When we were told, when I talked about diversions, right? And so, and I got into the, the flavored waters and this is just stuff, you know, but um, this stuff, Arden's Garden, it's wheatgrass, right? Wheatgrass. And then this one is Arden's Garden. This is my favorite one. And it's called Firecracker. It's lemon, cayenne pepper, probiotics. And anyway, it's, it's all natural pro, uh, like shots, right? This one here is turmeric and cayenne pepper. But anyway, some are like, they say like immunity detox. They say, uh, you know, one's just a vitamin C or whatever. But so, but my point is like at the party, that we had the Halloween party and all my friends are there and everybody's banging shots of vodka or whatever. And I, I always grab one of these, you know, out of the fridge and I'm like, hey, everybody's just, let's do a shot. You know, I do a healthy shot of <laughs> probiotics. Isn't that wild? And I mean, you know, but this firecracker one, for instance, by the way, it also, it, it's wicked hot. You know what I mean? So it makes you go, oh, so you're like, oh, it's almost like when you did a shot of tequila or something. You're, oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> so if anybody's having problems, like, oh, I missed that. There's also alternatives to that, man. You know, I'm going to do one right now. It's my liquid lunch. My liquid lunch used to be Jack Daniels. Now it's lemon, cayenne pepper. But anyway, Arden's Garden, you can get it at uh, Publix. I'm telling you, firecracker. Shannon seems to be in a good place, so I felt comfortable asking him when the last time he had a craving to drink was, and when was the last time he felt genuinely tempted to do so? Yesterday. <laughs> you know, I mean, shit, man, I'm not going to sit here and say, I mean, I will say I'm recovered alcoholic, and I'm very, very, very happy and smart, happier and smarter than I've ever been and felt. I'm an old man in, in this business. Like Tom Brady's an old man to football or whatever. I'm an old man in rock and roll drumming, metal rock drummer. But I feel physically, and I'm all of 105 pounds, by the way, but I, I feel physically better and mentally better than I felt my whole life. And so, but would I be telling the honest truth if I said, that the struggle isn't real and, I, and that every time I sit down to watch the Raiders play, I don't feel like an ice cold bud. I mean, you know, that's what I try and tell people, man. It's not even, it's not the feeling of being drunk to me that I miss. It's the camaraderie of that beer that I had, man. You know, like I'm one of these football fans that I don't like to have a bunch of friends around. Oh, they get me on or... God forbid, root for the other team even. I don't want that. It's my house. I'd like to sit there with myself and my Budweiser beer and watch the Raiders lose. That's my deal, right? And so, so I got to say that, you know, 
football season was a trigger. These are just triggers though. And, and you know, it's just like with the dreaded cigarettes, which I still struggle with. I don't smoke cigarettes, but you know, I have like, I'm trying to, again, everybody's different. I found that substitution, like doing a shot of wheatgrass instead of a shot of Jack Daniels or drinking an AHA instead of a Budweiser or, you know, smoking a blue cigarette vape thing, which are way overpriced. And, but it's something that, you know, keeps me from, from breaking down and buying that pack of Marlboro lights or whatever, you know? And so I do use substitution, but not everybody can do that, you know? And obviously though, with these things, I will state these blue things. I, I, I don't condone them. And I am using these to get off the cigarettes and it's been like over two months now. And so I have to get off these now, which are another addiction all in their self. You know, they taste wonderful and it's, a, it's a shame because these cigarettes taste shitty, you know, and they make your hair and clothes smell and everything around you. And it's, I mean, I used to feel cool. Now I feel like, uh, I'm gross and, and, and an old redneck. But I, I, I am, I'm going to get, I'm going to get rid of these. You know, it's, it's all a work in progress. You know, I, there's not enough magic that I can do to make me stop smoking. Willpower is a funny thing, you know, and uh, we all have it. And again, it reverts to that whole microcosm, macrocosm, higher power thing that's out there that you just have to, whatever it may be for you, you have to tap into it because it's stronger and greater than you and can force you to not drink and still be happy or to not do drugs and still be happy or get off these damn things and still be happy. And a lot of it again is habit, habit, habit. And then, so I took the chewing gum, man. And then now, now you, this guy, Hey, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then every interview I did, I was, I was I'd see myself. I'm like, I look like a jackass sitting there chewing gum. Like, you know, <laughs> And, you know, and then it was Nicorette and all this crap, man. So nicotine is just as bad as addiction as any of the other ones that I've been uh, cursed with, you know. But um, it's, it's, again, a work in progress. And I, I do feel that said that we're talking about this. It's all positive, you know. It's, if, if people will simply let it out. That's the thing about, like, we have this foundation, Godsmack. We have the Scars Foundation. It's an actual a legit straight legit foundation you know we help people and you know it's been up and running for almost two years now and we see where every penny goes i swear to you it's a non-profit that you know there's nothing shady about this i know i sit on the board of directors and we help people you know and it's a real thing and the whole thing with us is like you know don't be silent if i maybe could have admitted out loud that i was an alcoholic that everybody knew for for at least 10, 15 years of my life, everybody knew it. But again, you know, I'm me, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm this dude that's in a band. And I, you know, I looked on your list and I was like, oh my God, I know all the dudes. Clint is a friend. Head is a friend. Um, uh, you know, everybody that I saw that's been on your show, I'm like, I know, I know and love those dudes. You know what I mean? Like we are, you know, everybody, Head, I think, went with a Christian route. You know, whatever it is, it's all about, man, you know, the will it's all about the will and so we just have to you know find that thing that it sparks our will and then it, with willpower then you, you you figure out your own power and happiness you know 
Shannon is the latest in a long line of guests on our show who have been afforded the opportunity to live out those wild rock star fantasies that we always hear about in books, movies, and TV shows. He's done and seen things that the rest of us can only really imagine, but he counts himself lucky. Because by and large, Shannon is just an alcoholic. That's always been his number one addiction, and he doesn't have some of the crazy overseas stories that our other guests do. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't lived through a lot. I'm an alcoholic, pure and and simple. Uh, Although I lived through the late 70s and, and the 80s, which were, you know, the 80s were cocaine times, and that's just the country. It was just, like, I witnessed that whole where you'd go to a party and people so they'd everybody be dumping out blow on the table. And it wasn't like a, and then you saw it a couple years later and then people started grouping and going in the bathroom two, three, four at a time. And that cocaine wasn't cool anymore to put out on the table, right? Now you went in the bathroom and did it. And then a few years after that, cocaine's just not cool, period. And we all just quit coke is whack. You know what I mean? Crack came and all this bullshit. And it was like, I watched that go away. So I was lucky that did hard, the hard stuff at a time and period in my life that was either non-addicting period, maybe. I don't know. I had my focus was, was, was stronger. My will was stronger towards probably my, you know, music and stuff. And I didn't allow those, those hard drugs. In other words, I, I never had meth shift to me anywhere. And I can't even imagine I can't even imagine the pain that Brian went through for that because I, I did meth one time in my life. I tried and I didn't even know. I thought I was doing a line of Coke. It was in the eighties and meth was called, uh, they were calling it crank, I think back then or something. And I, I did the line and I was like, ah, you know, I mean, it feels like you're snorting uh, glass, broken glass. It was the more, I'm like, people do this. And I'm like, what the F is this? And, you know, and my buddy was like, oh, it's crank speed, you know, speed or whatever. And I was like, yeah, dude, that sucks, dude. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, yes. Literally, dude, like three days later, I, like I said, I, I keep saying oh, 100 pounds. I've been, been, been this all my life. I've never been over like 115 pounds. I'm, I'm a skinny dude. Always have been. Mm-hmm. And one line of math, and I was like, like I said, that was the worst experience. I've never touched that since. And, and <laughs> when we were all, I think it was 40, when I turned 40, I vowed to never touch uh, cocaine or heroin again. And I never have. Hmm. So, you know, I think it's, uh, obviously I wasn't addicted to those drugs. Or I couldn't, couldn't just swear them off without any kind of rehab or therapy. Because I, I do, by the way, talking to you, James, mm-hmm. and anybody watching this for these reasons to talk about addiction stuff i totally recommend therapy man and and i was like i said i was a little punk rock kid i never dreamed that i'd be one of these old dudes that went to rehab and all that crap but i can say this you know it's all in the end about being happy in life and uh again you don't need that crap to be happy mm-hmm. and and that's a big fear i think a lot of musicians watching this will have like god we're not we're not only at the party every night we're the host like we're the dudes throwing the party you know you're coming backstage we want to offer you a party man and then and, and alcohol and all that everything that you, you you would think people expect from you you know so you a lot of the times we're not and we get sucked into it and then our addictive personalities take over 
and then it's too late for us and we're hooked and we know we're hooked you know and so i'm i was blessed and i've been that i i i let the alcohol though get its claws in me and um as i've said before it's just as bad i don't care you know if if you're doing meth or if you're just drinking a case and a half of beer a day one is as bad as the next and both will kill you or make you end up unhappy or worse in jail definitely unfulfilled you'll never that's another thing you can never get enough when you're when you're fucked up there are many people who look at drugs and alcohol as a way to make a good time even better but for those caught in the cycle of abuse there is no making it better through drugs and alcohol they view drugs and alcohol as a way of getting away from their problems something to help them escape their reality for a little while but what they come to realize, or at least what we hope they come to realize, is that there is no escape. There is no pause button for life. There is just the time that we have, and we need to process our traumas, and we need to work through our problems, and if we take drugs and alcohol, if we allow ourselves to give in to substances, that only prolongs the suffering. The only way out is through, and the only way through is to address what's holding us back, the things that we are trying to escape in the first place. So it didn't, it didn't help. It, you know, some, I, I do envy, I will say that I, I envy folks that uh, are, are normal and don't have the disease, um, you know, that can be just normal social drinker like my father was, you know, and, and uh, you know, he, he, he just was normal and he could drink and you know but yet he could drink and i i envy that because i can't i you know i one thing leads to another and my excessive uh self-destructive personality takes over and next thing you know you know and believe me man before i went to rehab and, and, and ditched this for good i mean i over the years i'd never said i'm quitting forever but i always said i'm quitting and i would put you know time on it quit for a week or I would do the old, uh, you know, I, I just won't drink hard liquor. And I just do the beer and wine, which we all went through, I'm sure. You know, and, and that doesn't work either. You know, nothing works except for complete knowing and looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, man, I'm going to die. I'm going to, I'm unhappy. And why am I doing this? Because I don't need it. And I know that there's something out there that's greater than me that gives me willpower. And I got to exert my willpower. It's all about the will, man. I tell Shannon that I often feel there are two types of people in this world. Those who are able to just have one drink or smoke one joint and be good for the evening. And those of us who aren't. I guess it's like anything else. You know, if, if uh, say, good at singing, then you don't want to get in a band and try and sing because you're just going to make a fool of yourself. Right. And so, you know, I'm definitely bad bad at drinking it's not something i'm good at either and i think you know if i was good at it then perhaps i wouldn't have let it overtake me and let it turn into a problem in other words some people are inherited like they in inherit this i obviously didn't and so something inside me you know turned me and made me you know what i was and so it wasn't something that I was dealt, you know? I brought it upon myself. I wasn't like, oh, I got dealt a bad card and my dad is an alcoholic or something, you know? And, my, and as far as I can tell, my daughter, who's 22, 
and at USF, and um, she has no qualms or issues or problems with drugs or alcohol, never has, doesn't even, she tried pot a couple of times and said it just made her sleepy. And I mean, this, this proof's in the pudding. She's come, she graduated cum laude last year and she's all A's and B's. She's a super smart, super, has everything together. Most, the thing that makes me more proud than any plaque on a wall or whatever is this, this creature that I, this human that I helped create that's so smart and beautiful and, and has it all together again. And I tell her, you know, dad is an alcoholic. So please, when you go and you're partying with your friends, you know, know that it could be genetics and show, okay, dad, oh yeah, it's not in my case. Luckily, I let something inside me bring this disease to me. And the only way that I could get rid of it was to believe in a greater power and my willpower. And that was that. As I said at the top of this episode, Shannon is a living rock legend. Whether we're discussing his work with Godsmack, the Apocalypse Blues Revival, Glassjaw, Ugly Kid Joe, or one of the dozen plus additional projects he's been part of, Shannon has contributed to some of the most important rock songs of all time. Songs that will no doubt outlast us all. And that means that he has fans around the world who believe in him and who listen to him and trust his advice. But we don't give advice in this show and we don't give advice in recovery because we don't really know someone's full story. But nonetheless, people are going to look at Shannon and they're going to want to learn from him. So I had to ask, when people approach Shannon looking for suggestions on how to improve their lives, what does he say to them? Mm. Well, again, yeah, it's... It, it's... At, it's unanswerable because every person that comes up to me usually starts with a be, at least a flash of their story. Hey, man, you know, I, I did this and then I actually you know, ended up and whatever. And so uh, any advice that I would try and give would, would be different to the person. Like, you know, people come up and they're literally crying and, and you know oh you know your music has helped me through this or you changed my life in this way you know and I used to be this I used to be that and so a lot of times rather than try and give advice they just want a hug and some I don't know affirmation that you know that I care you know and we all we all should care man you know about everyone else that's going through any, any of these issues you know I get more people that are probably suffering from you know depression approach me for some kind of advice than people that are suffering from alcoholism or drug abuse. But, you know, a lot of times the two, unfortunately, coexist, you know? Um, and so that if you have alcohol or drug abuse, you're usually depressed too, you know? Um, but as far as advice, man, shoot, I like to just be positive. You know, I try to be really positive always. And, and I always go to the willpower thing because really, you can't really blame anyone else. I mean, you know, you, you can be raised in a bad family and, and that certainly will have an effect. It's all a cause and effect in this, you know, macrocosm. But, but you can't blame the fact that you grew up in the ghetto with no father figure or were enabled rock stars since the age of 13 and, and you know, everything given to you, you know. You can't blame these things because really you have the choice. You have the heart. You have the soul. It's your choice. Do you want to snort that? It all comes down to a yes or no. So if I say yes and I go and I snort that, well, guess who's the weakling? And guess who loses? I lost. 
And so, but you know, I have, you know, we all, as long as we're one and we all just have to understand that we, we can beat this and be happy, then man, you know, I would never say to not experience and, and, and live your life. And, and you know, I'm not, I've never been one for complete abstinence or something, you know, and I feel every path along our journey is perhaps necessary for our final destination. And had I not laid that bike down on my ankle that day and not been able to get it off me, then maybe I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now in this positive aura. Like I am, again, I, I, I'm still on this pink cloud thing and I'm still happily sober. And I, I attribute that to having willpower enough to convince myself, whether it's self-imposed wisdom, but I've convinced myself that we don't need anything to be happy except for music and, and what's inside us, higher power and love, you know, and any kind of change that we make is on us. Just like if I snort that line or I don't, it's all on me. So for anyone to say, oh man, you know, the world against me and, and nobody loves me, everybody hates me, go in the garden and eat worms, gotta wake up and, and take initiative whether it's checking yourself into rehab or if you can't afford that, well, go to the AA meetings. They're free. People will talk to you about how bad you feel and they're going to feel even worse sometimes. And then all of a sudden you'll get a, a perspective. Oh shit, man. There's other people out there that that dude's got it way worse than what I've had in the last two months. He's been sober for two weeks. So, you know what I mean? So there's some advice I'll say out loud, you know, get help, find it. Don't hold it in, man. There's people out there you can talk to. My sponsor, that dude must be, I don't know, 60, 65 or whatever, you know. And I saw him at an AA meeting and, and he had mentioned the Stooges of all things, right? Iggy Pop from Detroit. And I guess he, he was talking and he had mentioned the Stooges. So, and I was fresh in AA, you know, out of rehab and, and doing my 30 days in or 30 meetings in 30 days after rehab, right? And, and I walked up to that dude. I'm like, what's your name? He's all Kevin. I'm like, Kevin, I'm Shannon. I, I want you to be my sponsor because you, you know, you know about the Stooges and he goes, Oh, oh, I know Iggy pop. And he ended up, you know, this dude grew up in Detroit and knew Iggy and blah, 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 and called him on the phone and everything, all this. But, uh, my point is, you know, get, get out there and go to AA meeting. If you're having these issues and you're not even sure, say you're on the fence, it's fun anyway. I mean, you know, well, I say fun. I mean, fun, like you'll see and hear interesting things at AA meeting. You know, there's nothing wrong with if you're on the fence and you're not ready to admit it, or perhaps you're not really even at the point where you need help yet. But if you're even considering it, you're getting close. And so why not do something proactive and use your willpower to make things better? That's all. I really appreciate Shannon's willingness to be so candid with us in this conversation. He's done and seen more than most of us ever will, and thankfully, he's learned a lot that he can now share with us. If you or someone you know is suffering, please seek help. You can reach out to the High Notes team or to our partners at Heart Support and the Global Recovery Initiatives Foundation or just a meeting in your local community. 
There are people everywhere who want to help you, who want to hear your story, and who will cheer you on every single step of the way. For High Notes, my name is James Shotwell. The show is brought to you by Holix.com and edited by Landon DeFever. Our programming consultant is Laura Haggard. The music for this episode was made by the band You, Me, and Everyone We Know, and the artwork for the series was created by the great Nick Farron. You can find High Notes online by looking up High Notes Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We have more episodes coming soon, so please subscribe and stick around. We'd love to have you as a part of our community. Until next time, all we ask is this. No matter where you are or what you're going through, please take care of yourself, because you deserve it.